Between work, family, and life, going to the grocery store can be a major inconvenience. With ButcherBox, you'll be saving yourself precious time that's better spent elsewhere. ButcherBox offers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Translation, no antibiotics or hormones are added to your food, and you can rest assured you're not eating weird chemicals. Plus, ButcherBox is a certified B Corp, which means they meet the highest standards regarding their social and environmental impact. Even better, your ButcherBox orders are shipped directly to your door for free. And you can customize your plan, so all you need to do is place your order and wait for exactly what you want to be brought right to you for free. They also have tasty recipes and cooking tips to make mealtime easier. We use ButcherBox at our house and we couldn't have been happier with all the delicious options. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com lisk and use code lisk to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Again, go to butcherbox.com lisk, L-I-S-K, and use code lisk to get 20% off today. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Mopac Audio. The statements, opinions, and conclusions of interview subjects on this podcast are their own and not those of Mopac Audio. Before we get started, we had a quick request. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. And to help others find us, we'd be grateful if you'd rate, review, and spread the word. Thank you for joining us on this special mini-episode of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer. After a years-long court battle, Suffolk County police were finally compelled to hand over Shannon Gilbert's 911 call audio to attorney John Ray this past Thursday, May 14, 2020. And on that same evening, we were able to get on a call with Mr. Ray, who is, outside of a handful of law enforcement and other officials, the only one to now have heard the tapes from the night Shannon vanished. Let's talk about the call after years. It's finally released. How does that happen? Like, do you have to go to the court and they hand it over? Is there any setup you want to give to how this call finally came about? So the trial court, Justice Berland, that is, determined the case in our favor and ordered the police to turn over the recordings, analyses of the recordings, and transcripts of the recordings. The police department appealed in which event they obtained an injunction. And that injunction says, by law, when a government appeals, it has the advantage of an automatic stay, an automatic injunction. And that means they don't have to obey the trial court until this is, will have been decided. So the appellate division on May 6th, in the week of the 10th anniversary of Shannon's disappearance, decided and affirmed completely Justice Berlin. Now, it behooved the police to turn over the tapes and the other matters to me 
because that's what the court ordered. So that was supposed to have happened 20 days after the court's order. Well, that 20 days passed well over a year ago. So I just gave the county reasonable time until this past Wednesday to produce the uh, recordings and to allow us to copy the originals. So what happened was that on Tuesday, just before my deadline, the police showed up at my office door at one o'clock in the afternoon with the discs that were the recordings of the 911 calls. And the chief detective running the investigation for homicide, Pat Portella, came with the two discs containing the 911 recordings. The police had originally threatened through their lawyer that they were going to continue a further appeal. But they buckled under and they did the right thing, I think, and their commissioner gave her word that if the police lost the appeal, we would get those tapes. And she kept her word. That's great. But I did not receive any transcripts of the tapes. I did not receive any analysis of the recordings in any way, including any voice enhancements or written documents and analyzing what was on the tapes. Although the court ordered that I was supposed to have received those matters, those things. And so I learned that since the recordings were made, the police never made a transcript of any of the recordings and never did any analysis of them, which is pretty shocking. The second problem we had was that the copies I was given are copies of copies. Suffolk County Police Department has no original of the 911 calls. They have only a copy, but they never had the originals. And in three and a half years of litigating in the courts over this, never once did they mention that they didn't have them. I have no clue as to when they received the copies from the state police who had the originals, but I intend to find out. So they gave you the tapes and the judge said that you're not allowed to share details of the call. What is that about? Where does that come from? Well, the court has legal discretion as to the conditions that the court imposes upon any discovery of information in a case. And the court has to express a good reason to put a limitation that suppresses the liberty to use information or evidence in the way a party wants. So the court can put limits on that. And since the county was claiming that the Shannon Gilbert tapes and the other related tapes were part of a criminal investigation, and that's why they couldn't release them in order to protect the integrity of the investigation. And on the other hand, I was arguing that I have a right to know and I have a right to use whatever information there is in my case against Dr. Hackett, he made a balancing of these interests and said, okay, release the tapes, but Mr. Ray, you can't reveal the information on them until further court order. That makes sense. So it kind of met in the middle and said, okay, we'll protect this supposed criminal investigation that SCPD has going on, but we'll also let you know what's on the tape for your case, but only you. That's correct. When you say supposed I'm pretty confident that the new regime of police 
officers and detectives involved in this case, that would include Detective Portella, are indeed investigating. To what degree, I can't say, one way or the other. I only hope that they reactivate a full investigation in the right way. Yes, and thanks for pointing that out. That is true. Now, what can you share with us that keeps you on the right side of the law with what you're finding out as you've been able to listen to this well, I guess, is it 21 or 23 minutes? Can you confirm how long it is, which has always been a question? I can't because that would be giving information about the tape, but there's been speculation of 21, 22, or 23 minutes. You can be sure that 22 is the number that was published by the police in a letter to Newsday on January 23rd, 2012, in which a detective of the Homicide Squad involving Shannon Gilbert, wrote that there was a 22-minute tape. That number is incorrect. There's also some other stuff that came up through a detective about the call and Shannon's demeanor on it. Yeah, that's the same detective, I believe. Yes. What happened that brought us to this detective revealing various things about the tape was this. I came into the case in December of 2011, right after Shannon's remains, which were primarily her bones, were found. When I came into that case, I held a press conference with Mary at Oak Beach, and we attacked Commissioner Dormer, and concomitantly, I sent the U.S. Attorney a letter asking them to enter the case. Oddly, they never responded and never came into the case. Because I did that, a few days later, I received a letter from Detective Stephan, and he was a homicide police officer who was part of the Shannon Gilbert investigation. And he writes me this lengthy letter detailing what he says was on the tape and saying that basically I was a chucklehead. I didn't care about the letter one way or the other. Then he had it published in Newsday on January 23rd, 2012. When he published that letter, essentially, the Suffolk County Police Department, through Vincent Steffen, established for the public from that point on until now what the police say did exist on the 911 call that Shannon Gilbert made on May 1st, 2010. And so the public operated with that in mind. And the public includes all the media, includes all the people who have an interest in investigating this case. Detective Stefan made very serious, important claims about the essence of what was on the tape of Shannon's 911 call. And some of those things were outright false. And they were false on very important critical issues regarding Shannon that evening or that morning. Would you like to hear them? I would love to hear what was false. Now that you've heard the tapes, which you can't discuss the details, you can tell us what was false about his statements, correct? I can't because it's not a revelation of any information on the tape. Yes, sir. This is what was publicly revealed by Detective Stephan on January 23rd, 2012. I won't read you the whole letter, but I'll read you the poignant parts. He says, as to me, John Ray, 
quote, his claims are misleading and lack credibility, unquote. He goes on to say, quote, I listened to Gilbert's 22-minute 911 call, unquote. That's his first falsehood. It's not 22 minutes. You could say it's an error on his part, but it's not accurate. He goes on to say, at one point, Shannon mentioned she was near Jones Beach. That is misleading if it stands just alone as it did in his letter. He goes on. He says, in the house at Oak Beach, Gilbert was not about to be murdered. That's false. He says, her demeanor on the tape was calm. That is false. He says, you can hear male voices on the tape, and they are calm. That is false. He says, at no time during this call was she desperate. That is false. He says, from what I heard on the call, Gilbert was not speaking as if she were in danger. That is false. He goes on to say things that are not on the tape. And he talks about Shannon in this regard. When she, she ran to Coletti's house, quote, she was let into the house, unquote. Coletti told two different stories about that. The most common story and the first story he told, and it's on video in the media, was that she stood outside the house. She never went into the house. And then he writes later on that when the gentleman in the house said he was going to call the police, she ran. That is not what he said. He also writes, when the gentleman in the house said he was going to call the police, she ran into the reeds across the street. Now, Coletti told me that story as well, but that was an, a later addition. In his initial story to the police, in his initial story on public television, he said she just ran out directly up the road. He never had reeds across the street. That matters because the reeds across the street story, the later addition, in other words, was an addition that was very much in conformity with the Hackett story that she liked to run into reeds, hide, yeah. when in fact there's no evidence she did that whatsoever. So it's questionable why Coletti added that claim, which was absurd, that she ran into reeds across the street, but the police officer buys into that unquestionably. Oh, wow. So what you're saying is like this story starts getting adjusted later and they all start getting on the same page that she ran into the reeds. Precisely correct. And when they began to get together their conforming story, they would include Coletti, his closest friend Hackett, and another extremely close friend of both of them, Thomas Canning. That story of Shannon running into the reeds being an addition not only seems odd, but seems well not impossible because I visited those reeds with Coletti on May, first week of May 2012, and you couldn't get into those reeds. And I asked him how could she have gotten in there. He couldn't explain it. In addition, she would have had to have run directly in front of Pack's car, which Coletti had stopped. And if she was running away from Pack, 
that would make absolutely no sense that she would do that and then hide in the reeds right next to his car. That's absurd. Of course, you could believe that if you thought she was completely out of her mind. But then even if you do believe that, Coletti himself never said that in the beginning. And indeed, Pack never got out of his car, went over to her and said, come on, come with me. Where are you? Why are you hiding in the weeds? That never happened. And indeed, it makes perfectly rational sense that Shannon did not run in front of the car, but instead stayed hidden under Coletti's boat in his front yard in the darkness. And then when Pack's car stopped right there, she bolted up the road in a different direction which makes a lot more sense. And it's what Coletti himself said happened when he first told the story. Well, and you and I have both been there and those reeds, you don't just run into them either. It's just a wall. Right. That doesn't make sense either. So that's good. Correct. Detective Stephan's letter, wherein he says that Shannon appeared to be worse to the effect that she was not all there is just not true. And he talks about her having a paranoid personality and that he checked with another person who said that she's run away once before or other times. It's not possible. That's just not a true statement. So none of this makes any sense that he wrote. And he wrote outright lies on key issues. And the public has been led down the path since 2012 in that regard, as have I in the case. Yeah. Seems pretty significant, wouldn't you say? Yeah. If he really heard the tapes, why is he misleading the public and the media on what her state was or what events happened? I don't know why he'd do that. It's not merely misleading. Misleading can mean a lot of fungible things, subjective things. These are lies. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell your customers in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse partner that can track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. It's easier than ever to connect with customers online and in line too. Shopify helps drive sales with their nifty plug and play tools to get the word out on TikTok, Instagram, and pretty much any social platform. Shopify has the hardware that'll fit your business. Take payments by phone, turn your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device to alleviate all those sales headaches. And if you ever run into problems, Shopify's award-winning support team is there to smooth things out. Do retail right with Shopify. So sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash LISK. That's L-I-S-K, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash LISK to take your retail business to the next level today. One last time, go to shopify.com slash LISK. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another question I have, now that the tapes are out, what happens next? Well, armed with this new information, which I think is exceedingly significant, I'm going to do a number of things. First, which I already did today, is I'm calling for the commissioner of the Suffolk County Police Department to stand by another one of her statements. She stood by the statement that she would turn over the tapes if they lost. She kept her word. She also, at her press conference, when she revealed the initials on the belt, on Fox News when she was personally interviewed in February of 2020, she said words to the effect that the best source of evidence is the public. And with that in mind, I'm calling for her to likewise allow the public to be the best source of evidence again by releasing these tapes to the public. I'm not taking some kind of proprietary interest in the tapes and not wanting to give them out. To the contrary, I believe the public should have them. The public should hear what's on them and will be guided accordingly. And the public generally emits witnesses and evidence when things like this happen. And I assure you, the public would be extremely influenced by what they would hear on the tapes. So she needs to cause the release of those tapes. There's no compelling reason for the police to continue to insist upon the secrecy of these tapes. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I'm doing. And let me ask you this. So there's been a lot of talk that there's three voices, that there's Shannon, Pack, and Brewer. Those statements that have come out and those claims that have come out, is that true or false? Can you talk about that? There's a difference between something that has, quote unquote, come out and something that published by the police department itself about what was on the tape. Sure. I can talk about what the police department said or didn't say in that letter. I cannot talk about what has, quote unquote, come out. So I can't answer your question. Fair enough. Fair enough. So with the other three, Brewer, Coletti, and Brennan, any updates on obtaining those calls? I have them. You have them? Yes. I have all the calls the police say occurred on that date. And by the way, occurred on May 2nd and May 3rd as well. Okay. Well, I hope that Commissioner, as you said, sticks to her word and really does let the public be part of this because a lot of things can get done and things can move. It's critical that more information come in and that witnesses come forward in this case. It always is critical in every case, but it's especially so in this case. And my experience in 37 years of litigation, investigations, and trials is that when you go on the media, it generates those things. It generates witnesses. It generates evidence. It seems to have done that here already. But we need more. 
and the police need more. I could say also, by the way, that under the Burke regime and I guess the leftovers from that era, I'm not impressed with the work done by the police on the Gilbert case and on the other Long Island serial killer cases. It's pretty clear that very little work was done. However, since then, there's a whole new echelon of police detectives and the new commissioner involved. So I'm hopeful that they'll change the pace and the depth of work and get into actually looking once again at the evidence that they've overlooked up until recently, and hopefully they'll do the job. I can't say I have confidence, but I have optimism that that's going to happen, and I think that people like Detective Portella and others, they can get the job done if they do it right and they work hard at it. And I have told them that I'm perfectly willing to cooperate with them with the evidence which I have, which is fairly, very, very extensive. I have 16 or 17 transcripts of testimony, many, many hours, well over 100 hours of testimony of different eyewitnesses involving Oak Beach, as well as a plethora of other evidence, documentary and otherwise, including some of the Shadden's personal items and so on, and witnesses who didn't give testimony but gave sworn statements to me. I have all that, and I'm willing to share it with them, and I'm willing to help them and cooperate with them, and I told them that. A normal lawyer would have probably given up years ago, and you were no normal lawyer. And so congratulations. SCPD is a tough nut to crack, and you've got a win here. Good evening. Thanks, John Ray. All right. Good night now. We'd like to thank John Ray for taking the time to talk to us and for all the work he's done and continues to do to keep this case in the light. And we're grateful for you, the listener, for joining us on this special episode. To help others find the podcast, we'd appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to rate, review, and to tell a friend or two. Stay subscribed and you'll receive more bonus content while we work to get season two out. For more information, including exclusive photos and videos, go to liskpodcast.com. L-I-S-K podcast.com. If you suspect human trafficking, contact the National Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP to 233-733.